Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Happy Mother's Day to you. If you are a mother or a spiritual mother, maybe you're an auntie, I bless you and I honour you uh, today. I've got lots of spiritual mums in uh, this church, so I'm really grateful for all of you. You know, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Jason preached, you might remember if you were here that he read some of the letters that I wrote to him in our younger days. Anybody here and heard those letters? Well, I thought that was a great idea. So I actually decided to bring along the letters that Jason wrote me. So I asked him if he could get a box for me that I could bring all of his letters to church with me. Here they are. And they're nearly all cards, I think because it helps to limit his word space. But I decided, I found this, I found this letter in, in my pile and I thought that I would uh, read it to you today. This letter that Jason wrote to me on the eve of our wedding. That's pretty cool. This letter has a whole lot of uh, promises of his unrequited love for me. It goes like this. To my little honey bunny. As we prepare for our special day, I'm excited to think of all the ways that I can show my love to you and bless you in our marriage. You are the best thing that has ever happened to me and I can't wait to spend the rest of my life proving my love to you. I promise to always clean up after myself and never leave my wet towel on the floor. Hopeless. I promise to bring you coffee every morning and cook at least once a week. Have to admit, pretty good. I promise to learn how to load the dishwasher correctly and never complain when you help me to improve my technique. Useless, absolutely useless. And I know that he does it just to annoy me and it still does, it infuriates me. I promise to take you out on romantic dinners and buy you flowers regularly. Now, Jason can be romantic no matter what he says, but he's so tight that he thinks that flowers from 7-Eleven are okay. Women, we don't think that, do we? I promise never to suggest for your birthday or Mother's Day that I will buy you some exercise or sporting equipment. This morning I received hiking boots. Apparently, we need to do more hiking together. I promise to never tease you about being older than me. No words. My darling, I promise to love you forever. Your soon-to-be hunky husband, Jason. Now, clearly, Jason didn't really write this letter, but I do love the way that he loves me and has remained faithful to me through 28 years of marriage. And he's down preaching at Logan today so I can say whatever I want. (laughs) But Jesus wrote a letter to his bride, the church, 
2,000 years ago. And he's been faithful to every promise and he's still faithful today. You know, we really value letters. We, we value words of encouragement. They help to spur us on, words of affirmation and love. And I know that the words that you've written on those cards this morning, whether they are for your mother, whether they are for the beautiful women at Cherished Home for Young Mums, whether they are to our beautiful girls over at Bloom, when they read them, I know that they are going to be a special word of encouragement to their heart from their church family this Mother's Day. I want to encourage you to make sure that you finish those and wherever they are going to go, they will be a blessing. You know, we've been reading over the last few weeks the letters to the churches that Jesus wrote in Revelation. We're going to continue that today. And they, these letters come at a crucial point in early church history. See, during this period, many Christians found it hard to hold on to their faith under Roman persecution. Many even face death for refusing to worship the emperor. And it's not surprising that some of them were tempted to renounce their faith. These were challenging times to be a believer in Jesus. And it's under these conditions that Jesus writes these seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor, which we're about to read, or we have been reading uh, in Revelation. And today we're going to read the letter that he wrote to the church in Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia is the youngest of the seven cities spoken of that was established by brothers known for their dedication and their brotherly affection. Philadelphia actually means brotherly love. This city was built with a deliberate intention of becoming a missionary city, but not for the gospel of Jesus. It was to become a missionary city for Hellenism, which is the ancient Greek culture. And the idea was to spread the, the Greek language, the Greek way of life, the Greek civilization throughout the regions surrounding it. Philadelphia was a prosperous city and it controlled one of the world's most important routes that went from Europe to the east. It was a crossroad between the continents and it was known for its beautiful buildings but also for its damaging earthquakes. The letter that Jesus writes to this young church uses a, a, an incredible amount of imagery that we're going to unpack a little of today. But the people of the time didn't need it unpacking. They knew what Jesus was speaking to them um, as he read these words. I'm going to unpack it a bit as we go. Start in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write... These are the words of him who is holy and true. This is speaking about Jesus, who holds the key of David. Now, I am the keeper of the key in our home. See, this key opens the front door of my house and I decide who gets to have one of these. These are the keys of Susan made quite obvious by the fact that they are purple. Jason would never choose purple. I would have preferred pink, but they didn't have it. But as the keeper of these keys, I've entrusted six other people with their own key. 
Six people that I trust with everything that I own. Six people that I love enough to let inside my house whenever they want. Now, I don't know how many people have a key to your house, but I'm sure that they are people who are family or close friends that you trust enough. You decide who gets the key to your house. Now, the key of David, as described in this letter, is a reference to Isaiah 22. And in Isaiah, we read that David had a steward in the temple who was unfaithful to the power that he was given as he held the key to David's kingdom. He was unfaithful. And God had to remove him from that position and appoint a new steward who was trustworthy and faithful, a new steward that he could give the keys of the kingdom to. And the Jewish reader, as they read this, would have understood that Jesus is telling them that he is the keeper of the keys. He has all the power and authority. Jesus determines who's admitted and who's excluded. It goes on to say, when he opened, or what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Now, this door has a few different interpretations. Some believe that because of its rich evangelical heritage, this door is a door for the Christians of Philadelphia to spread the Jesus kingdom culture throughout the region and beyond not the Greek culture, which it had previously been established for. Others believe it was a more personal door, a door into a relationship with Jesus himself. He's made a way to have a relationship with him through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I actually believe both of these are true. But today, a little bit later, we're gonna focus on the second one of those meetings. Meanings Goes on to say, I know that you have little strength. He's not saying here that they're weak in the physical sense. He's saying that they were a church who realized that their strength wasn't in themselves, but it was completely in God. It's a little different. Yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. You know, they not only kept God's word, but they did not deny his name. It's easy to deny God's name. It was easy, sorry, in Roman times to deny God's name. As long as people swore allegiance to the Roman emperor, they were then free to go and worship whatever God they chose. But these Christians in Philadelphia, it says that they would only bow down, only worship the true God, Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes it's easier for us to outwardly conform to the patterns of this world rather than be transformed by the renewing of our minds through Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's easier for us to bow down to the gods of money and power and success than to worship Jesus. Sometimes it's easier just to turn up to church on Christmas and Easter and maybe a few other Sundays during the year for good luck than, and, and ignore God for the rest of the time. 
Following Jesus was never meant to be easy. Fulfilling, yes. An adventure, yes. Purposeful, yes. A deeper intimacy with him, definitely. The only way to eternal life, yes. Easy, never. It was never meant to be easy. Jesus loved this little church in Philadelphia. He had nothing but praise for them. There was no rebuke in this letter to the church in Philadelphia. Even though it was a challenge to worship the true God and only bow down to him, they didn't give up praising his name and Jesus had no rebuke for them. This church with its great evangelistic opportunities, had a steadfast reliance on God in their weakness and they were faithful to Jesus. You see, God doesn't measure our success by the number of campuses that we have or the number of people who sit in our seats. We use those measures as a bit of a gauge, but they're humanly, human measurements, not heavenly ones. God wants a church that embraces the opportunities before them with boldness and courage, not in human strength, but in total dependency on His strength. He loves faithful, faith-filled people. And Jesus has a reward for this faithful, God-honouring church in Philadelphia. He says, because you've kept my word and you have not denied my name, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. You know, there were Jews in Philadelphia who were persecuting the Christians even more so than the Romans. And then there were some who were claiming to be Jews who also made life difficult for them. The church has always faced opposition and our time is no exception. Satan continues to undermine the church using whatever tools and opportunities he can in our modern culture, whether they're obvious or subtle. Fallen leaders, a narrow-minded gospel, and yet narrow is the way to salvation. We're too harsh we're too irrelevant, we're too exclusive. It has never been easy to remain faithful. Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble, but our hope is in him who has overcome the world, isn't it? Amen? Our hope is in him and he has overcome the world. And the church in Philadelphia remained faithful against harsh opposition. They put their eternal hope in Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to them. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently through all the struggles, through all the trials, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. 
What an amazing promise. What a great reward to them for their faithfulness. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Don't lose faith or hope just yet. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of God. Never will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. He's saying, you are mine. You belong to me. And I'm also going to write on them my new name. See, this city had been renamed by the emperor and Jesus is telling them that I've given you a new name that no one can change. They're his children, his church, his bride, his beloved. In Gateway, we are his children. We are his church. We are his bride, his beloved says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What lessons can we learn from this little church in Philadelphia about remaining faithful through opposition? What is God wanting to say to Gateway Baptist Church in 2022 through this letter? As I said, there's so many things that we could glean from it, but this morning I want to highlight just three things. Firstly, God has given us the keys to his kingdom. We can unlock the power and the resources of heaven. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. When we're faithful, God opens doors. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we become part of His family. We are His kids. We're invited to join the family. We get a key to the front door and everything that's within. And it's a door that no one can shut. That really should get a huge cheer and clap if we actually understand what that means. We have the keys to the kingdom. Jesus has opened the door for all to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I told you I have seven purple keys. Jason, myself, my four children, but we've actually welcomed another into our family. Someone who was brave enough to step into the Ellsmore family and take on Jason as a father-in-law. It's no small feat. As far as I'm concerned, Brenton, you have earned your purple key. And there'll be others in future years, others who I will one day trust with a key to my kingdom. Jesus offers us the same privilege. He says, here's the key. You're in the family. You can let yourself in. All that's mine is yours anytime you want. And yet so often we settle for just standing in the hallway. Not Brenton. We often joke about how comfortable Brenton has always been in our house. He helps himself to food. 
He knows where Jason's stash of Doritos is kept. He makes sure the fridge is emptied of Pepsi Max before he leaves with his giant container of leftovers that I've packed for him for Smoko the next day. And I love it. I think it's a perfect picture of how God wants us to approach him. Everything that is ours, is his, is ours. You know, this year God keeps challenging me to come expectant that he has so much more he wants to give me that I'm actually taking hold of. He says, come with an expectant heart that I can do immeasurably more than you can ask for or you can even imagine. It's so I've been admiring all the beautiful things in his house, but never touching, using or asking for more. I need to be more like Brenton. If you hold the keys to the kingdom, all that is the Father's is yours. What's the longing in your heart right now? What's the longing in your heart that only God, only God? James says to us, you do not have because you don't ask. Jesus tells the disciples, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name. Say anything. Come on, anything. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If your marriage is really painful right now, bring it expectantly to God. When you don't think that there's any chance of reconnecting with your teenager, ask the Father to make a way. When you don't think you'll ever find someone to marry, Keep coming expectant to the Father. When the struggle to become a mum, like Annie talked about earlier, when it's long and painful, keep bringing your pain to the Father and crying out for your miracle. When your whole world is turned upside down by COVID or floods or wars, get on your knees and bring it to the Father. Come expectantly that the Father can do immeasurably more than you can ask for or imagine. That's who he is. As a church, we've been given the keys of the kingdom to build his church in this city. We've been and we will continue to take great steps of faith, planting campuses so that more people can hear the good news of Jesus. We'll continue to find more ways to provide for and bless those who are in need in our community. We'll faithfully raise up and send out more workers into the nation and ride around the world to share the good news of Jesus. We'll continue to pray and trust that God can do immeasurably more in us and through us as we trust in Him and follow the call that He's put on us as a church, even when the circumstances are challenging. How is God calling you 
to play your part in growing his kingdom here on earth. You know, Jesus is the true Messiah and he holds the true power over a city. He alone is the only way to receive salvation and enter into eternal life. When we receive the salvation that Jesus offers us, when we enter into the door of salvation, we receive the keys of the kingdom. It's an open door, he says, that no one can shut. We are welcomed in to everything that is in the kingdom. But Jesus also says in this letter that what he shuts, no one can open. See, through salvation, Jesus opens the door to the kingdom. And it's through salvation that Jesus closes the door to our past. See, salvation closes the door on our past, on your past. You know, picture yourself as you've walked through the open door into the kingdom. And once you're in, the door behind you closes. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in Jesus, the penalty and power of sin is permanently shut. He shuts the door on our old self. He shuts the door on what we've believed about ourselves. He shuts the door on the things that have been spoken over us, the negative things, the negative names that others have spoken to us. Sin has the power to remind us of our past. Sin speaks names over us like guilt, shame, unworthy, forgotten, condemned, fearful, a mistake, disappointment, rejected. Some of you might know these names, but some of you this morning, I believe, need to be reminded of this. God doesn't hold your sins against you. He shut the door on your past. As far as the east is from the west, he says, He's cleansed you by the blood of the Lamb. The cross dealt with the power of sin once and for all. Paul says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. In the work of the cross, Jesus set us free from sin and he gives us a new name. He calls you worthy. He calls you beloved, forgiven, healed, cherished, children of God. The trouble is, we keep trying to go back through the door that Jesus has closed on our behalf. We keep going back to our old sin and our old ways of living. We've been given keys to the kingdom and everything that it has to offer, but we keep camping out on the doorstep. This door's been permanently shut behind us. Why do we keep going back to the guilt and the shame of our past? Sin. The answer is sin. You know, in our broken humanity, we keep going back to the very sin that Jesus came to save us from. 
the sin that he shut the door on, the sin that he sets us free from. As Paul says, for I do not do the good that I wanna do, but the evil I do not wanna do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not wanna do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. Some of you today are camping out on the doorstep. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but you've allowed the things of the past, the things that Jesus has already closed the door on, to be the things that you keep doing. You're settling for second best. And here's the beautiful thing that Jesus in his love and grace, he still holds the key and he's still offering it to you. He's inviting you to come in, to take hold of everything that is in the kingdom. He's still calling you. He's wooing you by your new name, loved, forgiven, accepted, son, daughter. And we need to confess our sins and we need to leave it in the past and declare the truth of who we are in Christ. We're gonna do that a little bit later at the end of the service together. But how do we resist the temptation to keep going back to our old ways of living? You know, while the Philadelphia church had little strength, it says they kept God's word, they did not deny his name, and they endured patiently. I know that you have little strength. You've kept my word and have not denied my name. It's in God's word that we find the truth which we're to walk by. God's word tells us how to relate to each other and to God. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And yet we make some really good excuses for why we can't find time to read his word or spend time in his presence. Somehow we still manage to find time to binge on Netflix and we call it self-care. When the greatest self-care that we can offer ourselves is to binge on time in Jesus' presence. God isn't challenging us to condemn us though. He's challenging us because he loves us. He wants what's best for us. He wants freedom, freedom in the kingdom for us. He wants us to know all the good things that are on offer if we choose to accept him, if we choose to take hold of the keys to his kingdom, if we choose to keep his word and not deny his name. You know, there's simple little things that you can do to create more time and space with God. Turn off the TV more often. I don't know about you, how much time do you spend in your car? I spend quite a bit of time in my car and it's become a really intentional space for me to connect with God. In the car, I pray. I listen to worship music and boy, you can belt it out and nobody can hear you. At least I hope the cars next to me can't. I've actually this year started listening to the Bible in one year with Nikki Gumbel. 
on you Bible, and it's great. The car has become a space of, of habit for me in connecting with God, intentional time. I want to challenge you. Find new ways that you can continue to connect with God and remain strong in Him. The rewards are great. Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial that is gonna come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Enduring patiently reaps rewards. You know, this little church faced some big challenges. I'm sure that there were plenty of times that they thought about giving up and yet they persevered. They endured patiently, holding on to the faith that they professed in Jesus Christ. It's hard to endure. It gets hard to keep living in the freedom God offers us when we're faced with challenges and trials. We only have to look at the news to understand in a broader perspective that the challenges that face us. Behind each of those news stories, there's giant epic worldviews that are battling against each other. All those philosophies and thinking that are struggling to have control over our economy, our culture, over our world. Then there's the things that you struggle with on a more personal level. But the Philadelphians were a little church and they'd been through many, many seasons Sorry. <laughs> of trial, many seasons of persecution, war, natural disasters like earthquakes, and it made it hard to endure. Maybe you're experiencing a season like that right now. Or maybe you've experienced in the past, you're going through a desert season and it's hard to endure. Now, the end of last year was a challenging season for me. A combination of anxiety and burnout found me in a crumpled heap that I just didn't know how to recover from. I struggled for weeks to try and fix it on my own. I was weary. I had little strength. And it wasn't until I stopped striving in my own strength to fix things the way I thought that they needed to be fixed. It was, wasn't until I was able to rest in God and in his promises that I started to find healing. He says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I hold you in the palm of my righteous right hand. Never will I leave you or forsake you. You know, I had no words of my own for a time. But I relied on these scriptures that were written on my heart, learnt in my youth. And there was countless hours of worship songs Words that were written by others that I could lean into. And slowly my soul began to mend. As I endured patiently through that difficult season, God did heal my pain. And the reward, well, I'm standing here for a start. <laughs> the first time I stepped back into ministry was on Vision Sunday. 
And we were praying for people and blessing them by anointing them with oil. And I was blessed to have a few people pray for me that day too. But as I started praying for others, it's like God tangibly lifted a weight of heaviness off my shoulders. And in that moment, he filled me with a new joy. And I have felt completely different from that day on. And God whispered in my spirit in that moment that as I continue to step into the things that have so often brought me anxiety, that he would continue to fill me with a new peace and a deeper joy, and he has. I stand here today as a testament to the freedom that God has brought me, a freedom that I have never known before. And I've continued to see his faithfulness at work and his abundant blessing. I know that as I continue to honour his word, to keep his word, he'll continue to fill me with renewed peace and joy. He is good and faithful in every season that we walk through. Wherever you're at right now, can I encourage you, don't give up. No matter how bloody your knees might feel right now, don't give up, persevere in him. I know from recent experience that the rewards are worth the fight. There's a pillar in the temple of God with your name on it. Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. To the overcomers, God says, they will be made like pillars in the temple of God. See, pillars are a beautiful picture of strength, stability, great beauty. And it was a high honour that was bestowed on the Greek priests who had died in this area. And their names would be engraved and their father's names would be engraved on a new pillar. And when this pillar was lifted into place in the temple, it was a permanent reminder of the priest's faithfulness in service. James, Peter and John were described as pillars in the early New Testament church. This was an incredible honour that God was bestowing on this little church in Philadelphia. The ancient city of Philadelphia suffered from so many earthquakes and often the only thing remaining standing was the pillars. Jesus offers us the same strength to remain standing in Him when everything around us feels like it's crumbling. Do you need to receive some of His strength today? And the beautiful thing about it, when we're part of the family, as God fills us with strength, it's the strength that we can then go and help others with, that others can lean on us in their time of need. We can lend our faith and our prayers to others who feel like their world is crumbling. It was such a beautiful thing over this weekend to watch so many women doing that for each other coming alongside, praying, supporting through their desert seasons. And when people see the pillars of our church, 
they should see the kingdom values, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. As a community, are we upholding the structure of God? Because we are the pillars of His temple. There's so many people as I look around here who I would say are pillars of this church in this time. This morning, I want to honour, just as Jesus did to to this church, I want to honour a few pillars in this temple, in this church of Jesus Christ. You know, as Tim said this weekend, we've had our Thrive United conference and I'm just so blessed, the faithfulness and the goodness of God, but conference wouldn't have happened if it was just me alone. And I know that there was plenty of volunteers who offered their time and their talents to bless the women of this church, to bless me, I consider it an incredible honour that so many of you are willing to volunteer. I just wanna honour the the core team who have walked alongside me in this journey. And I'm gonna get Susie and Kimmy and Andy to stand up right now. Unfortunately, Hannah and Sav and Mel aren't here at this service. Sorry. I love you girls. I don't want to honour you. As I said, this last season hasn't been easy for me. But these women, they picked up the baton and they ran. And haven't they done a beautiful job? You're only seeing part of it. And I know if you were here over the weekend, you would know these women have carried an incredible blessing for these the women in this church, and I know the whole church, because when our women are blessed, guys, you're blessed, aren't you? Yeah. I want to honour you for your faithful service. These are all volunteers for hours and hours of hard work against lots of challenges and many times when we thought it was going to crumble and we just kept saying, God, you need to show us the balls that we've got to pick up right now. Which ones are bouncing back at us? You women are so faithful. I love you and I'm so grateful and honoured that you would choose to serve alongside me to bless the women in this place, pillars of our community. Would you thank them for me? We're to stand strong in the midst of earthquakes. Boy, we're seeing plenty of earthquakes in our society today, aren't we? When we allow the power of sin to be broken off us, we have the strength in Christ to overcome our past and endure whatever we're walking through today. We're going to finish today by doing just that. Together, we're going to make a strong declaration. These are not empty words. We're going to make a strong declaration out loud together that the power of sin, the power of the past would be broken off us in the name of Jesus. You're willing to do this with me? If you are, out loud together. Let's read these words. Jesus, we declare your name over our past, the offence of sin that lingers, the memories that haunt us, 
and the habit of reopening the door of sin that you have shut. In you, we are no longer rejected, living in shame or fear, a mistake, unworthy, forgotten, excluded. Wherever you are right now, just close your eyes. Whatever the names that have been spoken over you, whatever the names that you have owned from your past, declare the name of Jesus over them right now. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whatever they are, we say in Jesus' name, sin, you no longer have the power over us. You no longer have the right to remind us that we are not good enough. You no longer have space in my life. Jesus has declared it is finished. Therefore, it is finished. Amen. But as we take off the lies and the names that have been spoken over us in the past, we actually need to clothe ourselves with the new name that Jesus gives us, the new names that He declares that we are. So we're gonna read this next uh, slide and we're gonna declare together out loud the names that He has written on these pillars. You and I, the pillars of the temple, the place of honour. We're going to declare them boldly together. Some of you are going to speak these words out loud and they're going to be challenging for you to say. I know it because some of them are challenging for me often. But we're going to boldly, courageously declare in the Spirit these words over us. Let's go together. Jesus we now accept the new name You give us. We are loved, forgiven, accepted, significant sons, daughters, welcomed, found. Why don't you take a moment in your own heart to praise and thank Jesus for the names that He declares over you. What name is He speaking to you today? What is the name He is speaking over you? You are enough. Jesus, we thank You for the new names that You speak over us. Thank You that You have shut the door on sin. You have shut the door on the old self, the old way of living and the old things that we have believed. God, would You help us to stand in confidence in Your Kingdom. God, You've given us the keys of the Kingdom. Would You help us to come expectant, to take hold of all that You offer us to live in the freedom and the power and love that You have poured out over us through Jesus Christ on the cross. Would You help us to take hold of the new names that You have spoken to us. God, would we walk in a new confidence into the future, a new courageous heart that says, I am enough. I am enough in Jesus, not in my own strength, but in Him. I've been found, I am loved, I am His son, I am His daughter, and I have access to everything.
Jesus, you are so good. You're so kind. You're so faithful. We love you and we thank you, God. Thank you that you have opened the doors for the kingdom for us. You've given us a new name. You have written our name on the pillars of the temple. You honour us and lift us up. Come on, why don't we stand together this morning and as we sing this song, let's declare with a boldness the new name that Jesus speaks over us. Let's own it with confidence and courage today. Who am I that the highest King would
no one can stop us from being in your presence. Jesus, we thank you that you welcome us in and you declare we are worthy. We are enough. Thank you, Jesus. You know, as, as Annie said earlier, there's, there's many of you who for today, you know, is a challenging day and there's some pain in your heart. Maybe God's been stirring something in you through this message. Maybe you're going through a desert season. You know, we have an incredible prayer team here who are going to come down the front and they would love to stand alongside you. It's the beautiful thing about being part of a family. We don't have to do it on our own. We actually get to lend our faith and our strength to others in their season of crumble, in their earthquake season. So I'm going to get the prayer team to come down right now. And if that's you, if anything is on your heart, any pain that you're carrying, maybe some unforgiveness, maybe some of those words that you've spoken today are a challenge for you, but you want to step into a new freedom. Can I encourage you? Come and receive prayer. We have one prayer person. I know there's more. Can we get them down the front? Thank you. Don't leave today without having somebody stand alongside you and lend their faith and their courage to you. But women, I pray that you have a blessed day, whether you are a biological mum, whether you're a mother in the faith or an auntie. Blessings to you. Make sure you get photos with your family the photo booth and have a delicious looking scone. Be blessed. I want to actually encourage you as you leave today, speak a word of encouragement to somebody in this church who has been a pillar of faith to you. Encourage them. And maybe it is your mum. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your husband. Friend somebody that you've seen in ministry, encourage somebody. Let's be a church that lives out the values of the kingdom and builds strength into each and every one of us. Make sure you do that. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. We will see you next week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.